the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse? Then I realized we get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here. Welcome back to the cover three podcast. This is my summer school series today. I'm talking Oregon. I'm bringing on my buddy, Matt Prim, Matt. What's going on, dude? Duck territory. Got it popping over there. 10 and three season. Dan Lennon killing it for the ducks, dude. Yeah. Uh, first year for Dan went, went pretty, I will say entertaining. It was successful, but it also had a couple hiccups, uh, the loss at Washington, uh, the loss to Washington at home was a heartbreaker. Bo Nix got hurt in that game, uh, and then the loss to Oregon State on the road, and then the fashion that they lost that game. Uh, it's still talked about here within the state. Uh, it's it's going to be something that Oregon State fans will hold over uh, Oregon fans' heads for a very long time with how they beat Oregon by basically just running the football every play in the second half. Uh, but to bounce back against a good North Carolina team, I should say a solid North Carolina team in the Holiday Bowl, come from behind when you bring back Bo Nix, you've added a really good transfer portal class, you've added a really good uh, high school and JUCO traditional recruiting class in 2023, you've brought back some key pieces uh, from last year's team, and you go into the last season of the Pac-12 as if we know it, in a loaded Pac-12 season with more than a puncher's chance to win the league. It's going to be a fun 2023 season for Oregon. No doubt about it. So uh, offensive coordinator Kenny Gillingham leaves to become the head yep. coach at Arizona State. And I, I thought uh, I thought Dan Lanning made a pretty nice hire in Will Stein uh, from UTSA. What, what differences have you heard about or, or seen so far in, in how they'll operate things? Yeah, Um Dillingham is a very much he's he, he is very flamboyant. He's very outgoing. He's on social media cracking jokes, uh, ultra aggressive play caller, uh, a guy that sometimes last season just kind of went off script with what they were running and it threw the, the opponent for a loop and, and they put up some big numbers. Um, Will Stein came in. And we, we've gotten to speak speak with him one time since his hiring. Uh, and in that one interview, Stein talked about how 
he's inheriting a really good offensive unit and he's got a really good quarterback. He's got key pieces all around the board and that his offense isn't that much different from what Dillingham run uh, ran at Oregon. Um, and it would also be a disservice to this team and to the players that are currently here that if he came in and made these wide sweeping changes uh, to the offense, um, even if he wanted to, because things he's like, look, things were really good last season here at, at, at Oregon offensively. I, I would be dumb to make wide sweeping changes. He basically said that paraphrasing a little bit, but that's what he said uh, like right away when he when the first couple minutes of, of his interview. So we already know the offense is going to look uh, pretty similar to what um, Oregon looked like under Kenny Dillingham. He did say he has kind of this rule. He likes taking eight deep shots down the field, throwing the football per game. He likes to be aggressive, airing it out. Um, we do know Dillingham, I, I think part of this was maybe personnel they had at Oregon last year. Dillingham loved the double tight end stuff. Um I think we could see that pair down a little bit at Oregon uh, in 2023. And that part of that's also kind of personnel wise, you know, last year, Oregon didn't have a lot of receivers. They had a boatload uh, of tight ends. And this year it's kind of flip flopped. Uh, Oregon's only got three. Or they, they had sp- they had three scholarships uh, tight ends during spring ball. They added a grad transfer from Chase Kelly uh, from old miss, uh, a guy that has, played but isn't has never really been like a full-time starter in his career um last year at oregon they had like six tight ends um they've got basically three three and a half right now we'll see what happens and one of those guys is a true freshman and Kenyon sadiq a freak athlete high profile recruit but he's a true freshman uh terrence ferguson basically missed all of spring ball with an injury and patrick herbert was the only one uh healthy all spring or and was a returner and he played his first full year of football for Oregon in his four years uh, previous this past fall. So the tight end position has talent. Terrence Ferguson's really good, but he's all out for all spring. Um, and so I, I think this is going to be a little bit of a move where they're going to use their receivers. They've got a lot of them. Uh, Troy Franklin is the star of this group, but he's not going to be the only one. Uh, and they've got a really experienced quarterback. So uh, Long, long-winded answer there, and I guess to sum it up, it, it will look very similar to what they did last year with just some minor tweaks from a personnel standpoint. And I, I would imagine tempo would be similar. UTSA was definitely yeah. a team that was not afraid to go tempo when, when they needed to. Um, yeah, and he said res- that. He he, he came out and said, like, tempo is a big deal. We'll, we'll do tempo, but we also need to know, like, when to slow it down because he, he, he talked a lot about, you know, the slow tempo too of, of real, you know, going really fast and then all of a sudden – slung it way down. And so you'll see the changes of tempo as well. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to growing your business. Taylor brands, isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success with Taylor brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. 
That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That makes a lot of sense. It, Matt, is this receiver room better than last year? They add Trishon Holden, Holden it. They add Tez Johnson from, from Troy. They do lose Chase Cota and Dante Thornton uh, to Tennessee, who I know we already did our Tennessee episode. They're pretty excited about Dante Thornton there in Knoxville. Is is this receiver room better? I think so. And I think it's because you've – Troy Franklin's better than what he was going into last season. And the people within the program at Oregon, uh, the people around Troy Franklin, the expectation is is that this is going to be his last year. And – he kind of turned himself into a receiver who, who will be in that discussion of, is he going to be a first or a second day receiver, you know, draft pick af- after this coming season. Um, so he's already your, your bet, your best receiver is already better than when he was the year before. And that's huge. Um, Chris Hudson was a really solid number two receiver for Oregon last year. Um, he played primarily in the slot and, They've gone out, the Dan Lanning and his staff, they've gone out and they said, hey, we love Chris Hudson. Chris Hudson is, is a really good, talented player. He's a productive player for us, but we want more. We, we want to upgrade this position. And they, like you said, they added Tez Johnson, um, Bo, Bo Nix's uh, adopted brother from Troy, really productive player. They're their best player uh, on, on that team at the, in the receiver room, highly productive guy, blazing fast. They haven't had a guy like this uh, for, with this kind of explosiveness in a while. Um, it's it's you don't want to make this comparison, and I'm not making it at all. He's not he's not DeAnthony Thomas. I'm not going to say that right now. But that's the type of speed, you know, hmm. the, the explosiveness that they haven't had you know, at that position. And is he as fast as D'Anthony? No, but that, just relative terms of explosiveness, that's what Tez is going to bring. And you, you, we've seen it in spring ball. We saw it in practice. He's really quick. He's really fast. He's tiny. He's very, very tiny. He's very slight. He's like 150 pounds. Um, but the dude has wheels. And they haven't had a guy that that goes over the top. And everyone, when he gets on the field, everyone's like, okay, we got to bring the safety back because this guy can go He can go fast. Uh, that That will help as well. Um, I, I feel like Treshawn Holden and, and Chase Coda is just a trade. You know, like uh, Coda comes in last year, really productive year, best year in his his five year career at or uh, in college football for at UCLA, one at Oregon. He moves on. He's now on a training camp roster with the Detroit Lions. I think Treshawn Holden is is kind of the, that replacement for that type of player, and he's probably a better athlete. He's probably a better player. He's more more talented, more skilled, and you hope that that you know carries over onto the field. But it doesn't just end there. You know, they went and added Gary Bryant Jr. from from USC, a former four star recruit. Uh, that guy's going to play. He's going to make an impact for Oregon. And then they've got uh, a couple freshmen. Jurion Dickey, a five star, is supposed to arrive here in a couple weeks uh, when summer when summer school starts. Uh, Ashton Cozart, a four star receiver from Texas, 
elite track athlete could potentially be running some some uh, some some events at Oregon on the track and field side later on in his career. He's he enrolled early. He looked really good in spring ball. And then Kyle Casper kind of gets lost in the shuffle. This is like a top 200 recruit in the 2023 recruiting class. And he committed in the summer before the 2022 season and then decided to reclassify and enroll at Oregon a year early. Uh, he's now seasoned a, you know, in the system for weight training and understanding the playbook and all that. So, yeah, I, I, I think this unit should be better than what they were last year. Um, is it going to be the best unit in the country? No, it's not going to do that. But they've got a chance to put up some really good numbers, uh, some really special numbers. And from a historical standpoint at Oregon, they've got a chance to be in that discussion for maybe one of the better receiver units they've had in a long time. Absolutely. On the offensive line, uh, they lose two guys who were first team all pack 12, two guys who were uh, honorable mention all pack 12. That's that's a lot of guys to yeah. lose. They, they have aggressively attacked the transfer portal that they get what Stephen Jones back from 2021. I, I saw he's still on the roster. I don't know if he's going to yep. figure in to the conversation. They signed Josh Connerly, who was a, a you know total stud uh, last you know in, in the last recruiting class. Who he's now a sophomore. Am I right to assume that this group takes a step back, or can it can it be close to what it was last year? It, it's funny. We had uh, a leak Terry, Oregon's new offensive line coach, um, on our podcast. Uh, about a week or two, or whenever a week or so. Austin Audible's recording. Yeah, we, we, yes. we, we got to plug the show. There we go. All right. Yeah, this summer we had uh, the offensive line coach, Leek Terry, on, and I I basically asked him that question. Uh, I said, "Hey, man, like," and the, the unique thing with Terry is he was a GA under Mario Cristobal with the offensive line, so he recruited some of these guys that are on the team right now that are in their second, third, fourth year with the program. Stephen Jones, he recruited – he helps recruit Stephen Jones to Oregon. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson, he helped do that. Uh, Marcus Harper, he he helped do that. Um, so he's familiar with the offensive line. He knows – he has a unique perspective where he's technically a new coach, but he knows a lot of these guys. Um, and he was a part of uh, a, a change in, in the offensive line group um, a couple years ago. And, and I, I asked him, I was like, Hey man, like you have four starters gone. Steven Jones is back, but he was hurt for a good chunk of last season. He started the first couple games and then missed, I think eight straight games with an injury, but to his credit, Marcus Harper was really good uh, in, in Jones's place. And when Steven Jones got healthy, he was instantly put right back into the starting lineup. It, it wasn't even a question when, Externally, everyone was kind of like, oh, boy, what do you do with Stephen Jones when he gets back? Because Marcus Harper looks so good uh, in his spot. Um, but it was it was you know, not even a debate, it felt like. Stephen Jones was thrown right back in. He's back, and he's going to be kind of, I guess, the elder statesman, kind of the guy that you look at as, hey, he's been around the block the longest. This is his sixth year of college football with, with the Ducks. Let's lean on him a little bit. Um, but I asked Terry, I was like, you got four guys gone how, how do you do this? And he said, there will be growing pains. There will, you know, this is going to happen. There's going to be four guys that are playing a lot of football for the first time in a long time. Uh, and he's, he was honest. It's like, look, we'll, we'll, we'll have mistakes. We won't look good for parts, but the expectation is, is that our guys are going to be ready to go. And the, the, the standard has been set and we'll be able to replace the guys that are gone in time uh, and re- reproduce what they did. And the reason why he's so confident is that because he cited, 
three years ago, they've gone through the same thing. This is the third iteration of, of this like entire offensive line changeover. Um, back in 2016, Oregon started four freshmen along the offensive line. Uh, they were redshirt freshmen. And those guys started four years in a row. And and they they departed. And this group that just left replaced them. And, that, and Elite Terry was part of that staff that went through that process of replacing an entire offensive line. Uh, it was Big Sala. Uh, it was Ryan Walk, Alex Forsyth, and TJ Bass. Those four guys all started three straight years for Oregon, the 2020, 2021, and then the 2022 season. And so Terry is saying, hey, look, we've done this before. I've done this before. We've gone through a wholesale change along the offensive line. And he's confident that this group will be able to stand up to the standard at Oregon, which when Mario Cristobal showed up, he turned that offensive line into elite. They, they became one of the better units in the country from a physical standpoint, from a skill standpoint, and from a unit standpoint, you know, playing together standpoint. Uh, and Terry's expectation is, is, uh, he picks up where Adrian Clem left off last year, and, and that was elevating that group even more. Uh, so, so they've got confidence that they'll be able to, to be pretty good next year up front. They know that they'll have some growing pains early on just because of the sheer number of new guys in there, but they're pretty confident they can, they can pull this off. They, they certainly have an, an uh, fairly easy early schedule in, in order yeah. to accommodate this. I mean, it, it's, Portland State at Texas Tech, which could be tricky. I always have yep. to go to Lubbock. It uh, should Hawaii. be tricky. Yeah, I mean, like Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford. If if they're not four four and one or five and zero, oh, uh, something has gone seriously off the rails uh, yeah. to, for, for that start. And so I, I would expect. Uh, I mean, I think five and zero oh is probably your most likely um, outcome there. That's that's interesting to hear on the offensive line. Obviously, they have to stay healthy. I mean, I, I usually ask the question yeah. of like, hey, where. What spot on this team is uh, like the gap between the starters and the backups is is the biggest? I'm going to assume it's offensive line this year, uh, not quarterback. That's kind of everybody's answer if I let them say quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, um, I, I would agree with that. And if there's a reason why this unit doesn't gel, doesn't click, doesn't work, my first one would be health because Junior Angelau is a transfer from Texas. He missed all of last season. Um, with that injury during spring ball, he was very limited in, in what he did with Oregon. Um, Jackson powers, Johnson, uh, the assumed air at center behind Alex Forsyth. He's had injuries the last two seasons. He's during spring ball. He was, he was healthy for the most part, but they were careful with him. Uh, we mentioned Steven Jones and his injury last year. Um, he was healthy for spring ball, but, at the same time, you know, hey, he had a really serious injury last year that had, I kept him out for eight games. Um, he also had a, a pretty big one in 2018, I believe. Um, so there's guys on this team that are that are currently dealing with rehab from an injury last year or have um, previous years uh, of, of injuries that that been tacked onto their you know their their belts. And if you're right, like this is the position where it's the most violent. And it, you've got to have the depth and, you know, odds are one of these guys is going to get hurt at some point during the season, maybe even two or three um, that happens everywhere. And Oregon's depth is going to have to show up in here. And that's why I think they went so hard in the transfer portal. Um, I mentioned Angelo, 
They they added a Johnny Cornelius, one of the top tackles from Rhode Island. Um, George Silva was one of the top uh, JUCO transfers that they could sign um, this past offseason. I think he's the number one offensive tackle, if I remember right. I've got the 24 class right now in my mind. Um, and then, you know, this spring, they, they went out and they added another uh, transfer and Nishad Strother, a, a two-year starter at Eastern Carolina. So yeah. they know they, they need the depth and they address that in the portal. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Absolutely. Matt, last question I have for you on the offense. I really appreciate the time today. We'll, we'll talk defense yeah. next. So last year they had a weird split. Like their offensive efficiency when they were like even or ahead of the chains was really good. When they got behind the chains, Bo Nix and, and this offense, despite the really good offensive line and, and Nix, who's obviously pretty accomplished and, and a good receiving core, they, they were not converting uh at, at a high level relative to all the other things that they did well. Like it felt like this was a very like shot play type offense, but then like the, yeah. the actual drop back game when they didn't have the threat of play action. Uh, was lacking. Like, I don't watch enough Oregon to know exactly why that was. I, I have some ideas. I'm curious. Like, why do you think that was? If 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 you if you have a theory, and what do you think it'll look like this year? I I do think some of that could be tied to Oregon's inability in the red zone to convert. Um, they had some struggles in that regard last year, um, and I felt like just. My own thoughts here, this isn't anything that Dan Lanning said. I thought they got too cute in the red zone. Um, oftentimes, that's where we kind of would see some of this off-the-script type stuff uh, from Dillingham at, at OC where they'd run some kind of funky play or a trick play, and it is kind of just like, why are they running that? Go, go to your bread and butter. And that would then – it would fail, and that would then set them up for a second and long – you know, second and eight and, you know, Second and goal from the eight, uh, and now they've you know they're behind the six. They've got to execute, and they just didn't do it. Um, so I, I I would I would think that's probably a, a culprit right there. And then you know it happened a couple times just off script. Like hey, the run game is clicking. Here we go. Just keep running the football, and uh, all of a sudden they'd come out and they'd, ha- they'd go three straight plays where they threw the football and trying to catch the opponent off guard. It didn't work. Um, I, I think it was kind of just some funky play calling, some lack of execution in the red zone. But I think that were th- those were things that knowing when you looked at the offense in 2022 and just how explosive it was, how prolific it was. Um, I mean, they had 
I think against Fresno State, the first team offense scored on like 11 straight possessions, I think it was, um, against BYU the next week. They did something similar where the, you know the first team offense scored like seven straight drives in a row. Um, that's the type of stuff that you I, you just had to live with for Oregon last year, where they were so good uh, and so prolific that you know sometimes the, the way they were calling plays, like it just wasn't going to work. And you were playing the percentages that you were going to get the ball enough times where you could kind of overcome, you know, the two or three drives where you, you really struggled to execute in, in crunch time. Um, I, I also kind of wonder, I wonder what those, how many of those like failed conversions happened, uh, post Bo Nix injury sure. against wash against Washington, because so much of, of Oregon's success last year was due to Bo Nix having an incredible season. And a lot of teams really struggled with defending his accuracy and with throwing the football and also his escapability uh, in the pocket. He was really good at evading sacks. He had, a, well, first of all, he hardly ever got touched. Um, you know, the offensive line did a really good job protecting him. Uh, but then the opportunities that were there for the opponents to get a sack, he, he got out of them pretty frequently. And then against Washington, he hurt that ankle. He, he tried to finish the game. He did finish the game against the Huskies. He came back against Utah, but they went exclusive shotgun and he basically couldn't move. And the offense just went from fourth gear all the way down to one. And, they, you know, they, they had very little run game because there was no threat for him to run the ball. Um, they could really press cover because they knew that, you know, he wasn't going to escape. And, and you know, his his arm strength was down because he couldn't plant his, his, his feet really well. And then against Oregon State, it was the same deal. Uh, and then – Against North Carolina, it was a little – it was better, but it still wasn't even close to what he was like pre-injury. Um, so I I would be really curious – that might be some homework for us this, this summer is to dive into that and see where a lot of those, you know, failed conversions came from. Was it all year or was it mostly in November when he was hurt? That's a great point. Absolutely. Um, so defensively, 60th, I mean, barely in the top half of college football, like, you and I last year, <laughs> they were bad. Yeah, <laughs> were so well, but, bad. but you I, called it like go like I I don't know if we can pull the tape, but like last year you said, front seven. I think we're fairly excited about it. Back seven, you said it was sketchy, aside from maybe Christian Gonzalez, who that, that was that was a pretty pressure. I, I went back and watched last year. Like you, you nailed it. Like secondary is a major concern. There are some reasons for excitement uh, with the defensive line. Uh, you were excited about. Uh, uh, Aumave, right? Yeah. Who missed the year with the injury? So they have to replace Kayvon Thibodeau. You hope some guys step up, and then he, the, the one of the guys you were excited about on the show, ends up missing the year. The uh, year. Yeah, obviously, like that's going to be a problem if you lose a first rounder and the guy that you're expecting maybe to to have a greater. I know he doesn't play the same position, but it misses right. the year. So he's the first. He was the first team all league defensive lineman in 2021. Right. Yeah, and so it's, it's not crazy to think. He's good. They, yeah, right. So he's back. Brandon Dorless is back. Casey Rogers is back. Ken Ware Hudson's back. They add Jordan Birch from South Carolina, uh, which I, I thought was a pretty big get in the transfer portal. The the pass rush last year was horrid. Like they really, it, it was a bad combo to hang that secondary out to dry 
yeah. with that lack of of pass rush, and, and they were kind of hung out to dry. Is there any reason for hope this year with with the pass rush? Yeah, we asked that question during spring ball. Um, coaches on the defensive side said yes. Um, the reasons why they said player retainment guys coming back are pretty good. They're going to be even better in year two in the system. Uh, number two, uh, they felt like they now have better depth at that position. That was like one of the very first things Dan Lanning said was between start of spring ball this year compared to start of spring ball last year, just the overall depth that they had up front was astronomically better. Um, they have more dudes. They have better body types. They have a lot more different body types up front. So there's a lot of optimism there. And then talent acquisition. Um, I, I just talked on it there. I think they added, if you add linebackers, edge players, and defensive linemen, um, just from the high school and JUCO ranks alone, I think the number is like 11 players in 2023. They, they literally went in and added a bunch of dudes. And then during the first portal session and the second portal session, they went out and they tried to find other guys that could also help uh, up front in that front seven, whether it be a linebacker, whether it be uh, their star position, which is kind of like a nickel linebacker edge type guy. Um, sometimes they blitz him or just a straight up you know, defensive lineman. Um, they've done a really good job of, of turning over that unit. A lot of players transferred out. A lot of those players, unfortunately, no offense to them, uh, weren't going to play a lot. And they've added some dudes that, whether it's portal guys or high school guys, that the expectation is that they play. Um, I, I think the optimism here is high, but you also have to be realistic. Like, man, like, let's be real. Like, they were terrible. They were awful last season. Yeah. Um, you can't have an awful year, bring back a good chunk of those players and say everything is just going to be hunky-dory. You're going to be magically just – 10x better than you were last year, and and they may they may take huge strides, but it, it's a case where you you got to see it to believe it. And I think my approach is there's some reserved optimism. I, I I like Popo being healthy. He'll make things interesting for for Oregon up front from a defensive line standpoint. A former first team player in the Pac-12 in 2021, um, Casey Rogers was really good in a surprise addition um, from Nebraska. He chose to come back for an extra year of, of college football um, to the point where he was so good last year. And it was so out of the blue when his addition was announced. It's kind of like a oh, depth filler piece guy will hardly see the field. And he turned into a, a regular starter, uh, a guy that Oregon was leaning on. And when he announced he was coming back, it was big news. The program was, was jacked up because they thought he was probably going to go to the NFL. Um, he, you know, he was not going to be a third round draft pick, but he was going to be a guy that, that was going to be an on an NFL roster. He'd hear his name called uh, at some point in that draft. Uh, and then Dorless is back um, for another season. And, and you know that's your best player up front. And he won't have to be asked. If, if Popo stays healthy, they've got Taki Tiamani, who was really good in, in his place last year. You know Those two guys will hold, hold their position down at, at nose tackle. Uh, and then you add Dorless, you add Casey Rogers, you add Jordan Birch. Um, they've moved Mace Funa from linebacker to edge, which will help him. He, you know, his his body type is more of an edge guy. Um, they've, they've been able to add uh, a couple really good freshman defensive ends. Um, the, the talent is there. And then I think 
what will really help the defensive line is they basically reloaded everywhere uh, in in the secondary. Um, Kyrie Jackson, uh, part-time starter at Alabama. Tysheem Johnson, a starter at Ole Miss. Evan Williams, uh, a a player most people in the college circle thought was going to go pro, was not going to consider um, a fifth year of college football after starring at Fresno State. And he comes in and replaces his brother, um, Bennett Williams. Uh, and, and then, you know, they've been able to develop Triquez Bridges at corner. Um, they've got Brian Addison back at safety. Steve Stevens back at safety. Um, Jalil Florence was a talented freshman last year that should see expanded growth in his game. Dante Manning is a former five-star recruit that that's healthy now. He's battled injuries his first two seasons. Um and then a freshman, Cole Martin, son of Demetrius Martin, Oregon's cornerback coach, he looked tremendous in the spring game. And you, you kind of get every every year you get one or two guys where you don't really, hey, this guy's probably going to play maybe special teams, probably red shirts, kind of 50-50. We'll see what happens. Um, and then you, you see a spring ball play out, and then it culminates with the spring game, and you walk away saying, yeah, that guy's going to have to play. I, I I don't know where, I don't know how many snaps, but he's going to play every game. And that was Cole Martin. You know, wasn't the guy I, I was on my radar, like guaranteed to play as a true freshman. But after seeing him in the spring ball, after seeing him in the spring game, it's like, I don't know where he's going to play because there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of reps available. Cause he's got a lot of guys ahead of him that are older, but he needs to play and he, he'll need to be on the field. He's one of the last guys that we had in the, uh, the top two, four, seven. So that, that's that's encouraging to hear, man. Absolutely. The the schedule for, for Oregon State, or why did I say Oregon State? Excuse me. It really kind of – it doesn't hinge on Oregon State, but they they have a really tough, in my opinion, backstretch. So they go yeah. – when's their bye? Uh, it's, uh, it's like first week of October, like October 9th or 8th or whatever. So they get the bye before they start the stretch at Washington, host Washington State, at Utah – host Cal, host USC, at Arizona State, and host Oregon State. So on the positive, they only play four Pac-12 road games. Some teams play five, obviously, when you play the non-game schedule. So that's always important to note. They do get Colorado. They get Stanford, which I think are probably the two worst teams in the Pac-12. Stanford almost certainly. Uh, The only real kind of bad-ish team or lower team they miss is, is Arizona, but the the clustering here, I, I'm curious. Like I'm wondering if they're going to do a lot of just you know, different pairings and, and and trying out things in those first five weeks in order to be ready for that stretch run, so they know who can play. Like that's a very difficult stretch run that they have there. Yeah, you you got to beat Texas Tech week two. Um, yeah. that game is a nightmare. Uh, you're going to be in West Texas late, you know, mid September. Uh, it's a night game. I think it's like a 6 p.m. game. It's probably going to be the biggest game uh, Texas Tech has had there from a non-conference perspective in, in a while, if not ever. But if you can get through that and and you get through Stanford and you're 5-0, and things are setting up where you could really have a special season. But like you said, like that Washington game is tough. And seeing how they torched Oregon secondary last year and all their key pieces pretty much are back offensively, you know, now that game is played uh, on their home turf. That's that's scary. Um, that's probably going to be a night game. I, I would circle that as 
you know, I don't know across the country, you know, this one better than I do the, the October 14th slate, but that's probably going to be one where it's like, Hey, game day might be here. We'll see what happens. Yep. You know, but if both teams show up, like that's going to be one that's going to be in the discussion. Uh, and then Washington state, you know, that game's at home for Oregon, but I don't know if people remember last year, it, it, the comeback was an, crazy. Yeah, it it was it required like the one of the craziest comebacks ever, and you know that was a game where I think Oregon won by like two or two or three points, but it Oregon trailed by double digits in the second half, and it required uh, a late touchdown to I think to go up by like two or three with like a minute or so left in the game, and then Mace Funa pick sixed it like four plays later to put them up by double digits. Uh, and then Washington State scored a touchdown with like one second to go in the game. That's scary. Uh, I really think the only real game, by the way, that, that could rival uh, for game day is maybe uh, USC at Notre Dame on that same weekend. Yeah. Uh, but other yeah. than that, like Arkansas, Bama, like Auburn, LSU, Ohio State, Purdue, uh, Michigan looks like they're off. A&M at Tennessee, probably not. So – yeah, man, it's it's going to be really, really exciting. Everybody needs to check out Duck Territory. Fantastic, fantastic job they do. Also, the Austin Audibles, which is a great show. Um, click that QR code on the screen, if you guys will, and go check them out. They do a great job. Matt, we'll have to have you back on the show, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, bud. Enjoyed it, man. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.